John chapter 20. Praise God. He's risen. Amen? Amen. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed, for until then they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied. And I don't know where they have put them. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus. But she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him. And I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabbani, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. One of the twelve disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, We have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands. Put my 
and put my fingers in them and placed my hand into the womb in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, You believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in Him, you will have life by the power of His name. Amen? Amen. Let's celebrate and worship our risen King.
time we come together yes. Father it's because you are alive seated on the throne empowering us your bride 
the church to do your will, to be your hands and your feet. You've sent us out, God, to declare the good news of the gospel of our Lord. No one can compare to you, God. We thank you for that, Father. We thank you that we have the hope in Christ that can never disappoint us. So, Father, we thank you for your living word. We thank you, Lord, as we open it, Father, Holy Spirit, that you would bring conviction where conviction is needed, strength where strength is needed, and that you would increase our faith this day, God. Yes. That we would not grow weary in doing good. <clears throat> Father, that we would not faint. But God, that we would persevere. That we would run the race that is set before us to gain the prize. That's only found in Christ Jesus, the risen Savior. We thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So before we started our worship time, we read from John chapter 20. The resurrected, the resurrection. We read about Christ coming forth from the tomb. We read how at first there was some doubt. But as you continue to read through the chapter, you see belief come forth. Jesus revealed himself. They believed. And they believed. Do you believe this morning that Jesus is the Son of God and that he rose from the dead? Because if that is your belief and your confession, you are a child of God. You have been engrafted into his kingdom, a kingdom that cannot be shaken. You've been given the right to call him Abba, to call him Daddy. You've been given everything you need to live a godly life. You've been born again of the Spirit. There's a new way to live. There's a new way to live. If you're in Christ, and we've talked about that, the Bible clearly tells us that's our position. In the midst of a pandemic, we're not to get caught up in it. Because we already know where our hope lies and in whom our hope lies in. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And that He rose from the dead. And that no weapon forged against us shall prosper. That the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church of Christ. Like we have the victory, you all, in Christ. We have the good news to share with others. And oh, how I pray that we are sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. There's no other way to God but through Jesus no matter what man conjures up, no matter what the enemy tries to deceive people with, nothing and no one can get us to God 
only Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. There's no other way to the Father except through me. Through Christ, you all. Oh, that's good news. And if you're listening this morning and you're not in Christ, this isn't good news for you. I pray that your eyes would be open. I pray that God would be pleased to reveal Himself to you through His Son, Jesus. Because man can't bring you to this understanding. understanding. Only God can. It is a revelation given to you by God. As the Holy Spirit draws you in, as your eyes begin to open, and you see your need for a Savior. Apart from Christ, we're sinners. We're all sinners apart from Christ. We all were born in total rebellion towards Him. But God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever would believe in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. And as we read on Friday in Isaiah, He was pierced for our transgressions, crushed because of our iniquities. The punishment that we deserved was laid upon Him. And He willingly came so that we would be made whole and healed. Not because of anything we've done, but because everything that He has done and because of who He is. He's God, you all. And as I keep reminding us, there is no flaw found in Him. There is no error found in Him. He is perfect. He is just. He is holy. He is risen. He has defeated sin and death. He knows the state of our condition before we come to Him. And the Bible says that He first loved us. That God is love. God is love. His love endures forever. He's slow to anger. He is a compassionate God. But He's also a just God. As much as He is a God of love, He's a God of wrath. And for those who do not know Him, they are choosing to live an eternity apart from Him. An eternity separated from Him in a place of torment. Oh, that we would awaken this day and recognize the hour in which has been given to us and the urgency of the hour to live for Christ. To, to understand the call of a disciple, to deny ourselves, to pick up our cross and to follow Him. And I keep telling us, it's like living in one of these weird Christian end time movies. Like everything is escalating quickly. Quickly. We don't have time. And if, you, if you're not keeping up, you're going to get overtaken. Like Christ is on the move. God's plan is unfolding right before our eyes. And no one knows the day or the hour that he is returning. But Jesus himself makes it very, very clear. But you can see the signs. I mean, if you really think about it. 
all that we're experiencing, everything that you're hearing, rather you're a believer or not, if you understand biblical prophecy, if you understand what's been laid out clearly in the living word of God, it is all right before our eyes. And I've been telling this for years. It's going to continue to get darker and darker and darker and darker. But the church isn't supposed to be quaking in her boots. No, she's to be burning brighter and brighter and brighter. Are you burning bright this morning? Are you fanning the flame? Are you living out the truth that you say in whom you believe in? Jesus Christ, the risen Savior, the Son of God. It should be transforming our lives. Our lives are to be producing fruit. Good fruit. This isn't the time to be entangled with sin. Not as the church. We're to throw off the sin that so easily entangles us. We're not to live like the lost. We're not to act like the lost. Because we've been changed. Don't listen to the lie of the enemy. Don't listen to those who try to hold you to your past. Don't listen to the lies you feed yourself. Know the truth. <laughs> because it's the truth that will set you free. Amen. Get grounded. Get rooted into Christ. Because He is your new identity. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Oh, church, we could be excited, not just this morning. And I say it every year on Easter. It's just not a one-time event each year that we celebrate the risen Savior. No, it's every day of your life. Oh, how you should be getting up every morning and announcing the good news to yourself. Reminding yourself that Jesus is alive. Amen. He is for you and not against you. That you belong to Him. And that you would begin to declare His truth over your life. That you would walk according to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible says if you walk habitually in the Spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. Oh, but we love to give ourselves rights. Well, you don't know what they've done to me. You don't know my story. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know I just have to give myself to this and to that and to them. But come on. That's how the old man lives. That's how the old woman lives. No, you give yourself to Christ. You seek Him. This Life in Christ, it's a, it's a call to war. <laughs> but praise be to God, the battle belongs to the Lord. Yes. And it's already won. Yes. So we get up every day seeking the victory that is ours in Christ. And not announcing continually continuing the death that is given by the flesh. What are you and who are you focusing on? Christ or yourself? 
But as a Christian, you're to be focused on Christ. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Our verse for the year. The justice of God will not be mocked. Don't be misled, it opens up with. The justice of God cannot be mocked. You will harvest what you plant. Go to Galatians chapter 6. We opened up this year reading verse 1 through 18. And I want to go back and visit this portion of Scripture on this Resurrection Sunday to remind us that this is a year of growth. This is a year that each of us need to mature no matter where you're at. If you're among us this morning, if you're listening this morning, and you're not a Christian, come to Christ. Receive this free gift. Repent of your sins. Turn from your wicked ways. And turn to Christ. Receive His love. His free gift of salvation. He's not expecting you to be perfect. He's perfect. We're not perfected until we're with Him, but until then, we're to be growing, we're to keep maturing, we're to keep persevering. We're not those who fall back and turn back. I've always told you, if you're going to turn back and go back to your old life, you have to really look at the cross and say, no, it meant nothing. You have to really look at the empty tomb and say, no, it meant nothing. And then you go back to your old ways. But what's there? Nothing but death. Death. No one can offer you the hope that is found in Christ. Only Christ can. God comes. He sent His Son not to condemn the world, but to save the world. Because the world already stands condemned. So if you're not in Christ this morning, don't remain condemned. Come into the light. Come into the light. Be free. Be free. The prison doors are open. Step out and breathe afresh and anew because of Christ. Because of Christ. So it doesn't matter where you're at this morning. If you are in Christ, keep growing. Keep maturing. Allow the Holy Spirit whom you receive at the point of your belief and your confession, at the point of you being engrafted into His kingdom, this new birth, you've received the Holy Spirit. He's your counselor. He's your comforter. He's your guide, your teacher. Be a good student. <laughs> Follow the teacher. Listen to the teacher. Come on. What are you sowing to this morning? Because whatever you're giving yourself to, that's what's going to come back on you. And Paul is reminding the church here. Chapter 6 of Galatians. Dear brothers and sisters... If another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back into the right path. 
And do not be careful. I'm sorry. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Remember, the Christian life is not about you. It's not about God, bless me, bless me, bless me, do for me, do for me, do for me, do for me. God will bless you, and God will provide for you. And there's nothing wrong with her asking and petitioning God for your needs. But if that's all you're doing, something's wrong. <laughs> you should be thinking of others before you think of yourself. You should be quick to see when other brothers and sisters have gotten themselves entangled into sin to come alongside them and remind them to throw it off, to get up. Stop making a mockery of the blood of Christ. Stop making a mockery of who our God is. He's God. He's called us to be holy. He's called us to be set apart. He's called us to live for Him and not for ourselves. And be careful, He says here, He reminds them, for you not to fall into the same temptation. He goes on, pay careful attention, verse 4, to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. And then here's our verse. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always, always, always harvest what you plant. Those who live, listen to this, only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. Oh, but here's the good news. Because of the resurrected Christ, we can hear this next sentence. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Amen. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore... Whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Praise God. He goes on, notice what large letters I use as I write these closing words in my own handwriting. Those who are trying to force you to be circumcised want to look good to others. They don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save. And even those who advocate circumcision don't keep the whole law themselves. They only want you to be circumcised so they can boast about it and claim you as their disciples. Even then, there was a lukewarm message being taught to the church throughout the generations and until Christ returns... There is always going to be a lukewarm gospel. The enemy is defeated, but he hasn't given up. He 
is like a lion prowling around seeking whom he may devour. This is warfare, you all. This is warfare. You got to get up. You got to get girded. You got to get grounded. You got to get dressed for battle. And the only way is in Christ. The only hope we have is in Christ. In a day and age where the plague is covering the earth, the only hope that we have is Christ. Though we are called to shelter in and to stay in, we can still be productive for the kingdom of God. Reach out to others. Pray for others. Worship God. Have your times of devotion alone and then with others. Get them on social media. Use the platforms that we have to connect. This isn't time to retreat. This isn't time to give up ground. No, we've got to press in and press on. Just listen to verse 14. As for me... May I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, listen to this, we've heard this many times before, my interest in the world has been crucified and the world's interest in me also has died. Yes. Listen to that verse. Oh, how that needs to be a life verse. As for me, can you say this for yourself? May I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified. And look at part two of this. And the world's interest in me also died. There's nothing that this world can offer There's nothing that can be presented to us that will ever satisfy us as much as Christ can. It doesn't matter, he goes on, whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts, listen to this, is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. It doesn't matter what religious traditions you're holding on to. It doesn't matter what religious works you're trying to accomplish to make yourself right. It it means nothing. It means nothing just showing up for church. It means nothing just reading your Bible. It means nothing if there's no faith. If there's not a genuine belief and a bold confession... That Jesus is the Son of God and that He rose from the dead. Listen to what He says here. What counts is whether you have been transformed into a new creation. May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle. They are the new people of God. From now on, don't let anyone trouble me with these things. (laughs) For I bear on my body the scars that I show I belong to Jesus. Dear brothers and sisters, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Amen. He concludes his letter. Come on, you all. 
Jesus, the risen Savior, has given us everything we need to live out the life that He's called us to. Hallelujah. Go to Romans real quick. Chapter 10. Verse 1 through 15. Oh, I hope you have your Bibles open this morning or your Bible app open. Romans 10, verse 1 through 15. Again, Paul writing or has written a letter to the church in Rome. Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for people, for the people of Israel to be saved. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal. Did you hear that? I know the enthusiasm they have for God, but it is a misdirected zeal. For they don't understand God's way of making people right with Himself. Mm. Come on. There's a lot of people who is very enthusiastic about Christ, about God. They have a zeal. But they do not have an understanding of God's ways. Come on. Do you have an understanding about Jesus? Do you truly know Him? Do you truly know Him? Does your knowledge of Him bring you to a place of belief and confession which leads to transformation to a new birth to a new birth. That's the standard. <clears throat> what marks a true believer is a new birth. Amen. Not perfection, but a new birth. Life is different. Life isn't easier, but life is different. And something now is coming out of that person that's quite different than what used to come out of them. What they're sowing to, they are now reaping the benefit and the life that comes from Christ, Amen. from righteous living. Listen to what it says here. For they do not understand or they don't understand God's way of making people right with themselves. Listen to this. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in Him are made right with God. Belief. For Moses, he goes on, writes that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of its commands. But faith's way of getting right with God says, don't say in your heart, who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to earth? And don't say, who will go down to the place of dead to bring Christ back to life again? In fact, it says, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith we preach. 
if we openly declare that Jesus is the Lord or is Lord and believe if you I'm sorry if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved as the scriptures tell us anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on Him to save them unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him if they have never heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the Scriptures say, How beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Good news, you all. Faith and belief in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to share it, to declare it, to boldly claim it, confess it. Not just having a form of religion and denying His power, just doing a lot of talking about Jesus, but not experiencing His power. His power of transformation. Remember God's plan from the beginning until the end is that he will have a people that he will call his own and in return they will call him their God. That they would live for him. Not deny him. But live for him. Seeking him while he may be found. Honoring him with their lives. Not just dismissing him in this area of my life. And no, I don't need you here. No, I don't need you here. Okay, I'll take you here. But over here, I'm going to keep you to the back side. No, no, no. God is to be centered. He is our center in our life. It's time to wake up, church. It's time to wake up. The earth is being shaken. It's time to wake up. Everything that this book has laid out is happening. Times are escalating. Things are coming to pass, left and right, left and right, left and right. But in Christ, you don't have to get caught up in it. You don't have to be afraid of it. You just remain focused. And you say, God, you have me on this earth for this season for a reason. As I've been sharing with you all, like you were purposed for this generation. God planned and purposed you not just to live however you want, to run amok, but to accomplish His plans and His works that He has created you to do. The Bible says even before He placed us in our mother's womb, He had prepared good works for us to do. There are good works that you should be doing in this generation while there is a plague on this earth. So how are you spending your time? Hours with Netflix? <laughs> Gaming? 
Movies after movies after movies. Overwhelmed, anxious, depressed, murmuring, fault-finding, carrying on, drinking, <laughs> drugging, sexing. What's keeping you busy? Oh, I pray it's the works of Christ. And not the works of the flesh. Not the works of the old man. Not the works of the old woman. But the works of Christ. You are prepared for this season. Yes. And the seasons to come. He tells the church what is to come. And all of it has to come to accomplish all that He has laid out since the beginning of time. That He ultimately would have a people that He has gathered to Himself. And for eternity they will be with their God. Amen. Oh, I pray that you're seeking Him in this hour. It, yes, it can seem overwhelming. Yes, it can be a burden upon you. Yes, you can get depressed and anxious. You can get burning with lust and wanting everything and anything to fill the void. But don't fall prey to it. Get up. Press in. Press on. Cultivate the ground of your heart. Like I told you, there's nothing wrong with entertainment. It has its time and its place. You can enjoy the fruit of your labor, but that ought not to be before your God. There's work to do. There's work to do. The Bible says that the harvest fields are ripe, but the laborers are few. The, laborer, the laborers aren't attending to the harvest. Oh, we've got to be effective laborers. We are, to, we are to be good workers, good stewards of all that He's given us. We are to be on lookout for His return at any moment. We're to be like those virgins that we read about a few weeks ago, with our lamps filled. Not like the other ones who are just hanging out and not doing what is needed to keep their lamps filled. Because when the bridegroom came, they were left. And as we, when we read it, I pointed out to you, remember, they came back. They knew the bridegroom. But the bridegroom didn't know them. Come on, you all. Oh, let us celebrate this day and each day to come that our Lord, He is alive. He is risen indeed. Amen. He loved us and He loves us. And He'll continue to love us because His love endures forever. I know people like to throw their fists up to God. I know people like to stiff arm God and put it all on God. But I'm going to keep reminding us, there's no error in God. Stiff-arm Him all you want. Reap the benefits of life and sin all you want. 
Because in the end, that's all you have. Death is coming to each of us. There's going to be a day when you take your last breath. Sit on that for a while. Each of us. Each of us. The very breath of life will be taken. And we're playing games. We continue just to give ourselves to the very vices and to the very people and to the very junk of this earth, the temporalness of this life, to try to find some type of satisfaction, some type of wholeness, some type of peace. And all it's doing is leading us to death and eternity apart from God. This is the state in each, each of us are born into. A state of rebellion towards a living God. Your church attendance don't make you saved. Just because you talk about Jesus and post about Jesus doesn't mean you're saved. What's coming from your life that's the fruit of salvation. Jesus, you all. Like I said last week, we, we, we got to stop treating sin with kid gloves. Sin in our lives and the sin in the church. No, God is holy. And we are God's people. We're to live Minds that are honoring God. We're to encourage and to edify and to build each other up. Because when death does come for a believer, it's just a transitioning into His presence. Oh, death, where is your sting? Only a believer can announce that. You may destroy my body, but you can't touch my soul. Amen. Do you have that confidence? You can have it. Place your hope in Jesus, the risen Savior. The risen Savior. The God of mercy, the God of love that steps into our lives and says, stop going your way. Come to me. I've come to rescue you. This life is not all what is cracked up to be. It's leading you to death. But I am life. Come, be swallowed up by life in love and hope. And peace. Come on. We are the people of God. We are the people of God. And again, if you're not in Christ, then get over yourself and come to Christ. 
Receive His love. Learn of Him. Let's go to Numbers chapter 28. We're going to pick up walking through the Bible. We started walking through Scripture. It's going to be chapter 28, verse 16, and we're going to read through chapter 29. And it's our hope that as we're walking through Scripture, as we're walking through the Bible, that we really get to know our God. That we truly get to know our Father. That we say, God teaches your ways, O God. Restore the joy of your salvation within us. Open our eyes. Increase our faith. God, we need you. Again, we're not perfected until we're with him. And each and every single day, that passage is yet another day to grow more dependent upon him. We see the errors in our life. But we're not to be held down by shame and guilt. No, we get up. And we are to be grateful. Receive from Him. Remember, He set a people aside for Himself. The Israelites. <laughs> They're about to enter into the promised land. And he has centered the sacrifices, the celebrations, all these things that he has laid out for him, for them to do to keep him as the center of their everyday life. And I don't have time today to really go in depth with you on all these different festivals and annual feasts and all this stuff. But I will encourage you to take the time to sit down and find Christ in everything that's about to be read in Numbers. Because He's there. And as I've been encouraging us as we're going through the Old Testament, seek Christ in the midst of it. Because all of it is a foreshadow of the Messiah, the one who will come, ultimately, who has came, to free people from bondage. From the bondage of sin and rebellion and death. To set them free. Chapters 28, I mean, chapter 28, verse 16 picks up on the offerings for the Passover. On the 14th day of the first month, you must celebrate the Lord's Passover. On the following day, the 15th day of the month, a joyous seven-day festival will begin, but no bread made with yeast may be eaten. The first day of the festival will be an official day for holy assembly, and no ordinary work may be done on that day. As a special gift, you must present a burnt offering to the Lord. Two young bulls, one ram, and seven one-year-old male lambs, all with no defects. These will be accompanied by grain offerings of choice flour moistened with olive oil, six quarts with each bull, four quarts with, ram, with the ram, and two quarts with each of the seven lambs. 
you must also offer a male goat as a sin offering to purify yourselves and make yourself right with the Lord. Present these offerings in addition to the reg- to your regular morning burnt offerings on each of the seven days of the festival. This is how you must prepare the food offering that is presented as a special gift, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. These will be offered in addition to the regular burnt offerings and liquid offerings. The seventh day of the festival will be another official day for a holy assembly, and no ordinary work may be done on that day. Verse 26, the offerings for the festival of harvest. All the festival of harvest, when you present the first of your new grain to the Lord, you must call an official day for holy assembly, and you may do no ordinary work on that day. Present a special burnt offering on that day as a pleasing aroma to the Lord. It will, if it will consist of two young bulls, one ram, and a seven-year-old male, lamb, male lambs. These will be accompanied by grain offerings, a choice flour moistened with olive oil, six quarts with each bull, four quarts with the ram, and two quarts with each of the seven lambs. Also offer one male goat to purify yourselves and make yourselves right to the Lord. Prepare these burnt, special burnt offerings along with their liquid offerings in addition to the regular burnt offering and its accompanying grain offering. Be sure that all the animals you sacrifice have no defects. Chapter 29. Celebrate the festival of trumpets each year on the first day of the appointed month in early autumn. You must call an official day for a holy assembly and you may do no ordinary work. On that day, you must present a burnt offering as pleasing aroma, as a pleasing aroma to the Lord. It will consist of one young bull, one ram, and and a seven and seven one-year-old male lambs, all with no defects. These must be accompanied by the grain offerings of choice flour moistened with olive oil, six quarts with the bull, four quarts with the ram, and two quarts with each of the seven lambs. In addition, you must sacrifice a male goat as a sin offering to purify yourselves and make yourself right with the Lord. These special sacrifices are in addition to your regular monthly and daily burnt offerings, and they, may, and they must be given with their prescribed grain offerings and liquid offerings. These offerings are given as a special gift to the Lord, a pleasing aroma to Him. Ten days later, on the tenth day of the same month, you must call another holy assembly. On on that day, the Day of Atonement, the people must go without food and must do no ordinary work. You must present a burnt offering as a pleasing aroma to the Lord. It will consist of one young bull, one ram, and seven one-year-old male lambs, all with no defects. These offerings must be accompanied by the prescribed grain offerings of choice flour moistened with olive oil, six quarts of choice flour with the bull, four quarts of choice flour with the ram, and two quarts of choice flour with each of the seven lambs. You must also sacrifice one male goat for a sin offering. This is in addition to the sin offering of atonement and the regular daily burnt offering with its grain offering and their accompanying liquid offerings. Verse 12, five days later, on the 15th day of the same month, you must call another holy assembly of all the people, and you may do no ordinary work on that day. It is the beginning of the festival of shelters, a seven-day festival to the Lord. On the first day of the festival, you must present a burnt offering 
as a special gift, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. It will consist of 13 young bulls, two rams, and 14 one-year-old male lambs, all with no defects. Each of these offerings must be accompanied by grain offerings of choice flour moistened with olive oil, six quarts for each of the 13 bulls, four quarts of each of the two rams, and two quarts for each of the 14 lambs. You must also sacrifice a male goat as a sin offering in addition to the regular burnt offering with its accompanying grain offering and liquid offerings. On the second day of the seventh day, Festival, sacrifice 12 young bulls, 2 rams, and 14 one-year-old male lambs, all with no defects. Each of these offerings of bulls, rams, and lambs must be accompanied by its prescribed grain offering and liquid offering. You must also sacrifice a male goat as a sin offering in addition to the regular burnt offering with its accompanying grain offering and liquid offering. On the third day of the festival, sacrifice 11 bulls, 2 rams, and 14 one-year-old male lambs, all with no defects. Each of these offerings of bulls, rams, and lambs must be accompanied by its prescribed grain offering and liquid offerings. You must also sacrifice an elk goat as a sin offering in addition to a regular burnt offering with its accompanying grain offering and liquid offering. On the fourth day of the festival, sacrifice 10 young bulls, 2 rams, and 14 one-year-old male lambs, all with no defects. Each of these offerings of bulls, rams, and lambs must be accompanied by its prescribed grain offering and liquid offering. You must also sacrifice a male goat as a sin offering in addition to the regular burnt offering with its accompanying grain offering and liquid offering. On the fifth day of the festival, sacrifice 9 young bulls, 2 rams, and 14 one-year-old male lambs, all with no defects. Each of these offerings of bulls, rams, and lambs must be accompanied by its prescribed grain offering and liquid offering. You must also sacrifice a male goat as a sin offering in addition to the regular burnt offering and its accompanying grain offerings and liquid offerings. On the sixth day of the festival, sacrifice eight young bulls, two rams, and fourteen one-year-old male lambs, all with no defects. Each of these offerings of bulls, rams, and lambs must be accompanied by its prescribed grain offering and liquid offering. You must also sacrifice a male goat as a sin offering in addition to the regular burnt offerings with its accompanying grain offering and liquid offering. On the seventh day of the festival, sacrifice seven young bulls, two rams, and fourteen one-year-old male lambs, all with no defects. Each of these offerings of bulls, rams, and lambs must be accompanied by its prescribed grain offering and liquid offering. You must also sacrifice one male goat as a sin offering in addition to the regular burnt offering with its accompanying grain offering and liquid offering. On the eighth day of the festival, proclaim another holy day. You must do no ordinary work on that day. You must present a burnt offering as a special gift, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. It will consist of one-year-old male lambs, all with no defects. Each of these offerings must be accompanied by its prescribed grain offerings and liquid offering. You must also sacrifice one male goat as a sin offering in addition to the regular burnt offering with its accompanying grain offering and liquid offering. You must present these offerings to the Lord at your annual festivals. These are in addition to the sacrifices and offerings you present in connection with vows or as voluntary offerings, burnt offerings, grain offerings, liquid offerings, or peace offerings. So Moses gave all of these instructions to the people of Israel as the Lord commanded him. Praise be to God. 
Uh, that is not what we're called to do. Yes. Because Jesus has been the final sacrifice. His sacrifice pleased God. And now we come and we freely receive the reward of what Christ paid. Salvation. Because he rose from the dead. Christ fulfilled everything that these offerings, these festivals, these sacrifices were meant to do. Christ fulfilled them. Christ fulfilled the law. He didn't do away with the law. He didn't do away with the penalty of sin. No, He paid it. He fulfilled it. We don't have to bring the animals. His blood was already shed. We don't have to work so hard to keep the law because He's already fulfilled it. And in fulfilling it, doesn't give us the right to continue to break the law. Because if we're in Christ, we've received Christ as the payment for our sins, then now we are living in Christ. We're born again. We are God's people. Holy, set apart because of Christ. And He is to be the center of our lives, of our community as the church. He is the head We are the body. We are to worship Him daily. Not just one time a year or two times a year, but daily. We are to abide in Him. Jesus Himself says, apart from Me you could do nothing. Like we see Him for who He is. We know Him. We're in intimate fellowship with Jesus, you all. Like He's alive. He's God. And you can have a personal relationship with Him because of what He's accomplished. These people, the Israelites, they have a lot to do. To keep God in the, in the, in the, as the center of their life. And yet, as we continue to read, and as we continue to study them, we see that God is providing everything they need to worship Him. He's not burdening them. I know a lot of people look and somehow they try to separate the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. No, He's God in both Testaments. That's right. Jesus didn't come to do away with the God in the Old Covenant. He can't do away with Himself. God was making provision for His people even back then. But instead of receiving it, they kept kept looking outward 
what the other nations had. They kept getting entangled with what the other nations were doing. The gods that they were worshipping. Their sexual morality. Feeding themselves. Gorging themselves with what the other nations had. Instead of being satisfied with what God was providing for them. Everything God called them to give, He provided. And as it was then, so it is now. The life that He calls Christians to live, He provides the way. He provides the means through the resurrected Christ. Did we hear that? He provides everything we need. So what are our excuses to continually to allow ourselves to get yoked with unbelievers, to get yoked with sin and destruction? No, we're not to be yoked to those. No, we're to be yoked with Christ. doesn't mean that you're not friends with unbelievers. You need to be friends with unbelievers. But those unbelieving friends shouldn't have dominance in your life. Amen. Come on. Care for what's influencing in you. And the choices and decisions that you are making. Christ is to be the center he is the head. Look to Him. Seek Him while He may be found. And enjoy your life. We're just pilgrims passing through this one. But the one that's awaiting us is eternal life. No more tears. No more sorrow. No more pain. No more death. No more plagues. A life filled, filled with Christ. Praise God. Go to Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3, verse 23 through 38. Ah, this is good news. Chapter 3, verse 23 through 38. The ancestors of Jesus. Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his public ministry. Jesus was known as the son of Joseph. And I'm not going to butcher these names. But scripture lists the ancestors. Jesus was the son of Joseph. And then from there, it lists. Leading all, and Luke's genealogy is different than Matthew's. The same, but the reference is two different ones. So if you want to go back and read, it comes to the same. It's just that they're both writing to different audiences. Matthew is writing to the Jews. Luke is writing to the Gentiles. 
So you may see a difference, but they're not really different. They're just listing out what their audience needs to understand. And look how Luke ends it. Seth, verse 38. Seth was the son of Adam, and Adam was the son of God. This genealogy takes you from Joseph all the way back to Adam to God. Praise be to God, you all. I keep encouraging us. Man couldn't put this together. This could not be a God who was created with the minds or the hands of man. No man and no men and no group could have put all this together to come up with what we're seeing today. Come on, you all. Open up your eyes. Open up the Word. From Genesis to Revelation, God's truth. Yes, men penned it, but it was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And yes, men put the collectives of writings together under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And we're not to add or to take away from what is in this. If we do, we are cursed. These are the holy words of God, you all. And these are important words. They give us a foundation of our faith. And then it's the Holy Spirit that gives us the inspiration and the power to live it out. Go to Psalm chapter 62. Or Psalm 62. And as we've been saying as we're studying through the book of Psalms, look up. The psalmist endure life. Psalm 62. And yet in the midst of life, and no matter what's happening around them, they look up, they know their God. Amen. That's what I hope that we are inspired as we're reading the book of Psalms. Is that you know your God. These men knew their God. And they knew no matter what was coming at them or what was around them or what even as they were in midst of a panic attack or anxiety, they knew their God. They were drawn to look up. Oh, how I pray that we are drawn to look up. For our redemption is drawing nearer. The risen Savior is returning to gather those whom belong to Him. Praise God. Psalm 62. I wait quietly before the Lord. For my victory comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. My fortress where I will never be shaken. Oh, is that our truth this morning? I pray it to be so. In the midst of living, in, in, in in the way we're living nowadays... It's easy to get caught up. 
But oh, how I pray that this would be our prayer. That we would wait quietly before the Lord. That we will know that our victory comes from Him. That He alone is our rock and our salvation. Our fortress where we will never be shaken. He goes on, so many enemies against one man. All of them trying to kill me. To them I am just a broken down wall or a tottering fence. They plan to topple me from my high position. They delight in telling lies about me. They praise me to my face, but curse me in their hearts. Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in Him. Listen to what King David is going through. His enemies are surrounding him. The very companions that are with him are his enemies. They talk one way to his face, but in their hearts they despise him. We may not be at the level of King David, but we can testify of those in our lives that speak one way to our face, but in their hearts despise us. Oh, we can testify that each day we get up, there's an enemy prowling around seeking to devour us. Life comes at us. Sin comes a-calling. But we must remember, greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. State the conditions of what is happening, but look up. He listed out what was going on in his life. And look at his response. Oh, how I pray that we will mature to respond like this. Yet though all of this is going on, verse 5, let all that I am, not all that's going on around me, no, let all that I am wait quietly before God. For he, for my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. My victory and honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. Oh, my people, trust in Him at all times. Pour out your heart to Him, for God is our refuge. Amen. Common people are as worthless as a puff of wind. And the powerful are not what they appear to be. If you weigh them on scales together, they are lighter than a breath of air. Don't make your living by extortion. Or put your hope in stealing. And if your wealth increases, don't make it the center of your life. God has spoken plainly. And I have heard it many times. Power, O oh God, belongs to you. Unfailing love, O oh Lord, is yours. Surely you repay all people according to what they have done. You will harvest what you plant. Yet again, we see the kingdom principle even in this psalm. You will receive back upon you how you've lived, what you've sown to. God sees you. God knows the heart. You can't hide from God. 
You can say you don't believe in him. <laughs> he knows you. He knows you. Oh, how I pray you all that like King David, we too would be able to boldly declare and confess that our hope is in Christ and in Christ alone. David's hope was in God. He didn't let his circumstances define him. He let the truth of God define him and to keep him. Go to Proverbs chapter 11. Two nuggets today. Verse 18 and 19. Proverbs 11. Verse 18 and 19. Evil people get rich for the moment, but the reward of the godly will last. Godly people find life. Evil people find death. Wow. Listen to that. Evil people get rich for the moment. But look at the reward for the godly. But the reward of the godly will last our eternity. Our reward. We're not seeking to gain and to keep on this earth. And godly people will find life. Evil people find death. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God only found through Jesus is life and life eternal. Because He is risen from the dead. And oh, how I pray that today and the days to come, that that would be our truth. Amen? Amen. Let us close with this song of worship. And then I'll close us in prayer.
pretty.